Welcome and thank you for joining us behind the bar. I am Chandler Phillips and with me as always is your bartender. Uh, James Beery. And today we are drinking the Silence Do Good. And uh, I don't know where this one came from. All right. So who the fuck is Silence Do Good? Why course, is Silence Do Good? <laughs> of course, as you know, when we do, was it in good taste? Like we did this last week. We have topics, things that we go over, and I, somebody, you, me, we pick, we pick a cocktail, or we create one, and we have it, you know, themed. So, what, what do we talk about? So, this week, we're talking about the process of radicalization and uh, indoctrinization, and how do people go from being just your average Joe Schmo voter, whatever, to joining in an insurrection against the Capitol on January 6th, 2021. <laughs> How does that happen, you know? Ooh, ooh. One day you just say, <laughs> hey, man, it would be cool if the government just didn't. And then one day and then the next, you're like, hey, let's... Let's bust in some windows and Let's shit. Bust in some windows. I wonder what person could do that. What person? What could? could what person could? I don't know. Kind of inspire or encourage such a behavior. Well, it'd have to be a charismatic leader. Of course. Ah, of course. It'd have to be someone with so much charisma and so much uh, chutzpah as um, the, the leader of a great land. True. The probably the best. If not the the best of all time. I think, of course, we're talking about the Lord and Savior himself, Donald Trump. in mm. uh, the uh, So he opened a new hotel. If base God is base God <laughs> and is at zero, then Trump is clearly the acid God that on is... the pH scale. Uh. Uh, on the spectrum of pH gods... A little, bit, a little on the spectrum. A little on the spectrum. Little B is based. Trump, dude's acidic as fuck. <laughs> um, he opened a hotel at the beginning of two thousand, at the end of two thousand nineteen, uh, two thousand twenty. At the end of you know, beginning of two thousand twenty. Wait, he opened a hotel? Well, it's the beginning. Way no, way before the beginning. Like, like, let's say November two thousand nineteen to like March of 2020. Okay. You know, the uh the hotel in Washington, the Trump National Hotel in Washington open and they did Washington these... the state or the DC? I don't I'm, I don't know. Oh, okay. I I don't know. I'm assuming it's Washington state though. Okay. I, I'm pretty sure. Um so they had different cocktails. They had one that was like really cool that was like gin, but all the cocktails had like crazy ingredients. So I said, "No. What do I have?" <laughs> and then I did that. And then I was like, "Oh, Chandler, we need cognac." You got cognac. I got cognac. Because, it's. I mean, it's easier that way than buying all new things. It's true. You know, you had all the other ingredients for this one. But I love this drink in particular because when he opened that hotel, this was during a period where they were impeaching him. Oh, this so, was during the impeachment. Yes. So it, he picked this cocktail and he named it the Silence Do Good because George Frank Franklin... Used mm-hmm. to fucking uh, open the fuck. What the open? Franklin was writing to his brother's. Wait, newspaper. George Franklin? I said, like, I, 
I knew I, I, I stopped myself and then I cut myself off. Wait, what? Why'd you call what, what Benjamin no. Franklin? Okay. I knew. I knew. You know, I was thinking about uh, uh, Hamilton was in my mind. Mm. That's why. Yeah, George Franklin is one of the leading <laughs> cast members. I was thinking about George Washington. You could have bullshitted and be like, I was watching this. No, I was watching Hamilton. I love Hamilton. So. <laughs> you would love Hamilton, you fucking federalist. Benjamin Franklin. Fuck you. <laughs> Benjamin, Benjamin, Benjamin Franklin's brother was like the editor of a magazine. So he would write into like the magazine to the zine or to the newspaper, you know. Mm-hmm. And whatever because, Cosmo was in the 1700s. Because he's Benjamin Franklin, he couldn't just do that. Right. So he had wrote it under a female pen name. A pseudonym. A pseudonym. Mrs. Honest Do Good. And I have no idea what the connection of the liquor is in it. Wait, is a Mrs.? The... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I kind of want to dig into this yes. a little bit. What do you think the psychology behind well, at the time, Ben Franklin doing a Miss? Like... At the time, I think it's... I, I I don't know what it was I was watching. I think it was like Star Trek or no, it was um what's that show with uh Seth MacFarlane? But the like, Orville. The Orville. The same thing where like, you know, the race of like is like full of men, but the smartest person to write the book was a woman, and it turns mm. out to be like a female one of them. I think it's like that. Oh, where yeah, people yeah. kind of like when they see these things it's like, Oh, it's a woman. So they're not gonna expect any of the men around them, but they're gonna resent the woman. Like they'll say, I don't believe it's a woman, but they'll know it's a woman. You know, and Benjamin okay. Franklin's trying to not be perceived as being this person. Uh okay. You know, so it was because uh, you have to add in the content plus the controversy will make you not think about like, like you'll be like, who's the writer? But then you'll just go after the name. Well, because it almost seemed my thought process behind this would be like, all right, he's trying to be suggestive without being authoritative, right? I, I think so. Yeah, like you know. Yes. So if he Ooh. were to, if he were to come out and be like, "I'm Ben Franklin. I'm telling you this shit," as as whatever people wouldn't wouldn't digest it as well because they'd be like, "Yeah, it's fucking Ben Franklin. Of course he's going to support the government or do whatever thing that Ben Franklin does." But if he comes out as a it, missus, yeah, a respectable it's, woman it's, in the 1700s, disarming. It is distracting. You know what I mean? There's there's a lot of... It's almost like a Mother Goose kind of persona that he's trying to dawn. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can see that, yeah. Okay. So, all right. We got the silence do good. You we know. have this Mother Goose persona in our head. So, it's... the <laughs> His menus don't tell you how much is in there. <laughs> you know, so I used my... They just told you the ingredients, yes, right? which are cognac, Hennessy, lime juice, or jot, which is a almond... Base simple syrup with like rose or orange blossom water. That Some sort of floral. We featured that. before, and Angostura bitters. Ooh. So I went like you would with anything else. Pick up, pick up, freaking margarita or whatever. It'll be on the jigger. It'll be like one third. Do you just use a hard R? <laughs> on in the this, jig, on in the, this house, I know. In the you jigga, told me <laughs> in the jigger. <laughs> you put. <laughs> I put the cognac in there. And then it was like one third. Well, one half of it is it's like yeah, yeah. It's it's one to two. Whatever. It's two to one part. It's two to one, but the other way around. Because I put like half an ounce of slightly like point seven five mils 
of orgeat and uh, lemon juice, lime juice. All right, so you do equal parts orgeat, equal parts lime. Yes, and then I do the the cognac, and then I topped it with the bitters. The eggs are bitter last time. And I guess if you're doing one part orgeat, one part lime, then the cognac would be what four parts? Yeah, yeah, ten. Yeah, it'd be like four parts. Okay, uh, yeah. And then the anger story, you just do a little couple yeah. dashes. Because I did top. it in and I shook it, but when I put it on top, you could tell it tastes like there's a little bit of uh, aromatic to it. The aromatics got me. It's almost savory. Yeah. Like on the first sip, like as it hits your mm-hmm. tongue, I can't. It almost hits like a rosemary for me, which I think complements the, you know, like the, the innate sweetness of the arjo and the cognac, which I learned. Like I knew. The basic history of cognac history person you you give, give me the history of cognac cognac was developed in the cognac region of oh. france as a result of one winemaker who had his grapes in a barrel for too long they molded and then he was like well i'm gonna oh, dist- that's what it's like to have a wife isn't it <laughs> hey yo hey yo uh <laughs> yeah we have your grapes sit too long <laughs> i just got where you were come going and, with that come and juice them <laughs> Uh, I got blue grapes. They started out as green. Uh, <laughs> stupid. Um, in order to kind of get around the wine that had turned, um, then he distilled it, and then he left that distillation of brandy in a barrel for way too long that had formerly housed some sort of... I think it was the same wine. It might be a limousine barrel. There's some... Like, once you get into it, there's, like, specifics. But anyway, Cognac comes from the Cognac region of France, and it's distilled from grapes. So it's a brandy in the brandy family. Um, And that's that's the history. Ta-da. Hennessy is probably the most prolific brand of Cognac. Um, And that's what we're drinking. There's also Cavassier. Oh, VSOP. Mm-hmm. Um, what other kind of those are the two I know. <laughs> those are the two that oh, I know. Hein, uh, that one's pretty uh, pretty up there. Um, so here's the question: In the next four minutes, this is what we got to do. Yeah, where would you put cognac on your shelf? Because we this is not a cognac episode, but cognac is is this the first time we've even had a sip of it on the pod? But then we where have never had some cognac on here before. And then where would you put the cocktail? Mm. I'm not gonna lie. Did not garnish it. Okay. Was underprepared. Ungarnished. I think it would have been in the buffed. Probably. I think it'd be really cool. Would be to be a uh, like a wedge of orange. Mm-hmm. But then also a little bit of crushed almonds on top. Crushed almonds. The thing about drinks with those kind of people don't you know, those kind of toppings are rare. Because yeah, you're not you can't drink them, but a shaving like a dusting. Ooh, I see where you're going. Like like peanut butter powder. I would disagree. All right, I see that. I see um, that. I see that. Like I I know where I know what angle you're going for, and like I think I'm wrong already. Okay, it's okay. <laughs> the minute I said it, I was like, ah. I but, think the mouthfeel would be a little off if you wanted to do, um, like maybe rimmed, oh. in like a ooh. You would do an almond praline. I am absolutely ridiculous. 
Uh, obviously, an almond praline. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> you stupid fucking you know, bitch. And then, of course, next to it, I'm going to have my profiteroles. Oh, some fucking profiteroles. You know. With, like, a little bit of can- like a yeah. like a candy coating on yes, it. Yes, and then stocked, stacked into a small, what do you call it again? The the, the, the pastry with the profiteroles uh, laid on top of each other. Oh, is that a, no, that's not croquette. That's uh. Ah, I'm drawing a blank yeah, on the name. I need to brush like up a tiny on my. One. Not, not, yeah. not a big one. No, not like a full like five layer stack, but maybe it's a like little, tiny little side one. To like go... one that kind of looks like a box tortoise. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think <laughs> I think I would garnish this. I do like the idea of a wedge of orange. I would do a wedge of blood orange, just for the aesthetic. For the aesthetic, the blood. Right. And a small sprig. Earlier, I said rosemary. I'd switch it up. I would say do a sprig of thyme. I could see that. Here's the thing: you said blood orange, mm-hmm. right? But blood orange is particularly um, specific, hard to get for a bar. Mm. You know. So mm. what I would say is that you do regular orange, you stupid bitch. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, honestly, no, that's fair. Okay. This kind of drink, in my opinion, is not the best. But it these kind ah. of drinks, these kind of cocktails, they're garnish. Let me tell you the, that the flavor, the garnish, the experience. You go out, you have this drink with the garn with a with, with the garnish, with it's the a garnish, twenty-two dollar cocktail. You know, I mean <laughs> I, I think it's a little expensive that the way they have it there, but it's obviously a really nice hotel. With the garnish at the Trump Tower, you know you're getting fucked either yeah. way. You know, come on, like a nice bar. Like a nice bar, like a cocktail. Be, yeah, this wouldn't be in a regular bar, bar like a, in, a, in a cocktail bar. But this is easily replicable in no, because regular bars use almond syrup instead of orange. That's true. That's yeah. what sets it apart. I think, though, as far as like, if I had a bar and I had this cocktail on the menu, I would probably price it around fourteen bucks. That's how I feel. And then I would do kind of minimal garnish. If I were to price it at the same price that they have it at, oh, it would, it would need a circus of oh, garnish. Oh, a spe- special, like, cup. At, at It wouldn't be 14, I think. It'd be 16. It'd be, like, a nice cocktail bar. Yeah. Where, like, all the drinks are, like, the same price except for a few drinks. For one for tequila, one for whiskey, one for rum. That's, like, a little higher because it's, like, a fancier. Because I'm going to be honest. This highlights... The cognac, like it I doesn't, it, does. it doesn't overpower it too much. It's not like one of those drinks that kind of takes the liquor and is like, okay, we got booze in here. Let's stuff it down as far as we can. It highlights the positive attributes of cognac, the smokiness, the maltiness, the little bit of barrel and wood and oak flavor that you get from that aging. But. <laughs> Is it a twenty-two dollar cocktail? That's really the thing <laughs> when it comes to cocktails, and I know we have like a minute to wrap up. But when it comes to cocktails, it's so crazy because the old fashioned that I make in my house for myself to me costs what it costs. But if I was in a restaurant, the way that I make it for myself would be way more. Mm. And the value of cocktails is hard to evaluate when we're making it from the bottles of liquor that we've purchased. That's true. And we could have multiple. Well, all right. Then in that case, maybe we can't judge the cocktail itself on like what price range we'd put it at. Where would you put Hennessy on your liquor shelf? 
I would put it, it depends on how many other cognacs I'd have, but really, if I had a bar, I'd probably have Cavassier, uh, regular Hennessy, and Hennessy XL all the way at the top. So Hennessy XL would be at the top because it's expensive and mm. fancy and wild, but regular Hennessy would be two shelves below that. Like, you know, like, because house is at the bar, above house, or is, is behind you, and there's then there's behind. the Behind? Behind the bar? Behind the bar. And uh-huh. then there's one behind you. Huh? What about you? Even though we might have to revisit this. I don't know. Because we're... We're definitely going to have to come back to this. Um, as far as cognacs go, I think I would place it higher on the bar than I would appreciate it if I were trying to like impress someone. Because people see cognac. We have an entire episode it's about got cognac. Clout. We have a whole episode about Hennessy coming at some point. Because... It's got clout. In certain regards, um, a buddy of mine show, introduced me to an overproofed brandy. Um, I'm drawing a blank on the uh, the brand name right now, but we'll we'll revisit it. Um, but it was an overproofed brandy that I thought was exceptional, and um, compared to Cavassier or Hennessy or any other like premium VS cognac. I favored the brandy. And so, uh, I mean, like I said, we'll get back to it. But I think Hennessy would probably be upper mid-shelf so that, like, when people look at the bar, they would see it. But it yeah. wouldn't be one that I would offer, like, yeah. as a, hey, let's pour up some drinks. I'm grabbing the Hennessy. We got a lot to say about it. It feels like I need a whole episode, but, like, it's we'll better. It's, it. it's weird. It's better than emotionally thought of. well thank you for joining us behind the bar i've been chandler phillips and i'm james beery and we'll uh hope to give some more context to this if you go back and listen to our was that in good taste episode that was on friday um that way you can know why we chose to do cognac when talking about cognitive dissonance and radicalism and uh indoctrinization so James, you got any closing statements? No, I'm good. All right. Well, uh, again, thanks for joining us. Drinking is not recommended. But it is required. (laughs) You stupid bitch.